So um, I'm going to be talking about business fundamentals for healthcare. Um, I think as has been alluded by the different panelists, one of the gaps uh, when we go through training is we're not taught about finance. We're not taught about business. Um, you know, we get very good teaching about how to manage our patients, about how to look after our patients, but even the simple things as, um, you know, how do you negotiate your contract as your doctor? How do you read the contract the hospital signs for you? You know, we, we never got that um, knowledge at all. So this is something that I've learned to, uh, I've acquired over the last few years of my life um, as I've completed my training in England and joined a partnership. So as, as David State shared, my background um, is in general practice, but I've also done uh, a master's in critical care and dermatology. So I do, um, I work in agent care and I also do skin cancer medicine here in Australia. Whilst I was in England, when I finished my training, I had the opportunity to work um, in leadership and finance with the National Health Service. So the, the, with the governing body that manages the finances in healthcare. So during that post in role, that's when it became clear to me the gap in knowledge, uh, especially amongst doctors and uh, other healthcare workers about business and how finances operate within healthcare. It was such an eye opener, you know, to even understand simple things like funding for um, like a simple procedure, like um, say, for example, a colonoscopy or funding for breast cancer, how all those things are very important. But when we're taught medical school, those things were not even highlighted to us. Um, simple things like how do you run your clinic? How do you run your hospital? And how do you run your practice? So all those things are crucial. Um, and I really agree with what um, Dr. The previous speaker was talking about that, you know, it needs to be introduced in the, into our curriculum. Um, throughout, you know, from year one and especially the final year before we qualify, because it's very crucial for us to have that impo important information before we head out into practice. So, um, so that's that's a bit, a little bit about my background. So, through the leadership uh, role, um, I also completed a, a business um, for doctors course in England, which also um, opened up you know, a lot of opportunities for me, but also I gained a lot of knowledge you know, and on what steps you need to navigate when you're thinking of setting up your practice, when you're thinking of setting up as a business as a healthcare worker. And the things that I've learned, um, even though they were specific for the UK at that time, um, I think they can be transferred and utilized anywhere in the world globally. So I worked in a partnership um, in the UK until 2020. When I finished my training, it wasn't my intention to do that. But um, one of my supervisors then steered me towards that direction after I had a long discussion with me about the benefits of being in a partnership. And um, it was only after that conversation that I realized, okay, actually this will be something that will be beneficial for me not just as a doctor in my career, but also financially. So I'm gonna talk a bit uh, about uh, partnerships and their benefits 
and, um, and disadvantages and challenges I have faced as I have um, worked in a, in a group partnership. And currently in Australia, um, I'm, working, uh, I'm working in a practice and I've also, my husband and I have just purchased a medical practice as well, which is more like a solo practice. So I'm getting experience for, for both group and solo practices. Um, so the key things to, to partnership is that in the first instance, you need to ask yourself, why do you want to be in your partnership? And what is your ultimate goal? What is your vision? Um, you know, you, you need to write the vision, make it clear as, it, as we are encouraged and from Habakkuk too, make it clear, write down every simple thing, even if, you know, every single point, it should be clear to you and should be clear to whoever you're going to present to, to, um, to your investors, to your potential um, partners in, in, the, in that business. So together with writing the vision, from your vision, then you have your business plan and your business proposal. Um, and the business proposal is very key. You're gonna be um, looking for investment. The vision is probably more spiritual than anything else, but I think that should take priority over everything else. So God first in your business. So now before I go into my partnership, um, you know, I prayed to God. I, I told God exactly what I wanted to see in that partnership. It's important that, you know, God first in your, um, in your business, when you're writing your vision, when you're setting your, um, your goals, you, when you're writing your proposal, you know, God has to come first. And then once, so once you've identified exactly what you want, your vision, and then you, you need to, one of the things I learned was research. You need to research, research that practice. So it depends uh, which, where you are going in at the uh, joining the practice. So either you're joining an established practice already, or you are starting a practice from, you know, from the bottom up with a group of people. So I joined a practice that was already established. So for me, key for me was researching about that practice, the ins and outs, the negatives and the positives, the good and the bad reputations, um, I researched about all the doctors who were working there, what were their skills, what were their gaps in knowledge, because those things were crucial for me. I'm I was going to be part of that team as a, as a senior partner in that group practice. So I had to, to know everything about it inside out. In, in addition to that, um, you know, looking at the accounts was very crucial for me. So the good thing about um, the practice I was joining and which is actually quite recommended in the UK and I think should be recommended globally is they released the accounts to me. I had to sign a declaration that I won't share them with anyone. So they gave me accounts you know, backing like five years before and my accountant looked at everything, every cent to see if there was anything that I wasn't telling. Um, so before you even join a practice, know the finances, know the accounts inside out. If you are starting from fresh, get your accountant to do a projection for you that in the next five years, where do we see this practice? We are starting off with 50,000, but in the next five years, we want to be able to generate income of a million, you know, so get an account, sit down with an accountant and go through those. You need to know your numbers. My husband always says that numbers talk. If you don't have the numbers, if you don't have written down, no one will take you seriously. So 
research, 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 do, do your due diligence. And then whilst you're researching, the key thing for me as well, before I joined the group practice was having a mentor. So I, I prayed about it and God connected me with a mentor from a different practice, um, which was about 30 minutes from where I was going to be working. And, you know, and that gave me an unbiased view of what to look, look for when I'm joining a group practice. And, um, you know, and, and, and also they were guiding me and leading me along the way, providing advice, right? The key important people when you're joining a, a, a group practice, apart from the team you're joining, so an accountant, like I've mentioned, have an accountant, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to pay a lot for them. Most of the accountants will not pay you when you're doing research for um, a business. I know in the UK, they don't charge you. They only start charging you now when, when you're about to buy into the practice or you know, when, when, when money is starting to be exchanged, but when you're doing research, they won't charge you. So get a good accountant, um, get a good lawyer um, or someone to look at into your contracts, right? Even in a partnership, you will sign a contract and that contract will detail everything from how many hours you're going to be working, what are you going to be contributing in the partnership and what are you going to be taking out, things like annual leave. And, and, you know, earlier I mentioned that, you know, pray, write the vision. For me as a young mom, one of the key things I wanted in, in my partnership and in my contract, I wanted to be able to take, because um, I was still going to be having another child, I wanted to be able to have um, maternity leave, fully paid maternity leave. So my, the practice I was working for, the contract was dating, like the last did it like almost 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, most of the partners, you know, they'd all had their children. So the contract was designed for them not to even include maternity pay. So when I looked at the contract with the advice from my lawyer and, you know, they were like, you need to negotiate your maternity, um, even in partnership. So I, I, I challenged that clause in their contract about maternity leave. And I presented my case and said, I'm a young doctor who's finished my training and I'm still gonna be having children. If I'm gonna be in this partnership, I want to be able to take paid, fully paid maternity for a minimum of six months. You know, and because I had prayed about it, God granted that. So look at the contract, look at um, what happens when you go on leave, what happens when you, when you go sick, um, what happens to your income, what happens to your drawings and profits. All those things are crucial. And that's where you need a lawyer. And then, of course, the bankers and the finance people come in when you're looking at investments, when you're looking at where to get finances to, to get into the group practice. And um, other thing I learned when I was preparing for um, joining into the partnership is that don't underestimate every season that you go through in your life. Remember, when Davis introduced me, I did a master's in critical care. And at that time, I didn't know how I was going to link it to general practice. But, you know, God works things, everything for the good. And it just so happens that my practice was setting up an agent care center and they needed a doctor with agent care skills. So that knowledge that I acquired then became useful. So every season you go through in your life, each and every degree, whatever exposure courses you go to, they'll all come in handy one day, 
right? Um, so set your vision, know your people, research, 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 do your due diligence, know your team. And in a group practice, uh, especially uh, like, let's say for, for me, it's general practice. So I've got a team of doctors. Um, I need to know the team of my nurses, um, the receptionist, the cleaner. You need to know who your cleaner is, right? If your practice manager is not there and you need to let the cleaner in, you know, if you don't even know who your cleaner is, who are you going to call? So as, when I was um, in Zimbabwe attending church, I remember my pastor saying that uh, wherever you save, always know even how to clean the toilet, know where to get the tissue from, because you are the leader of that business. And, you know, if the people who help you are not there, you should be able to know where to get the tissue from and where to get the tea bag. So know your team well um, and, you know, understand their different skills, their different expertise. And then also don't just um, use them as, you know, as servants, but also enhance their skills, offer training, um, you know, upskilling, training courses that you can even um, get, make it an incentive for them paying for their courses. And this is everywhere globally, even in Zimbabwe, even, you know, in Australia and England, um, let's look after our team. Let's look after our um, people who work for us, who make us successful in these practices. Um, you know, if you've got a receptionist, talk to them about, okay, what, what, where are you planning on going? Do you want to be a receptionist only? Do you want to go into administration? We are, we're going to provide for you some funding to do that, you know, find a course and then we'll train you up so that, you know, you're training your team constantly, right? Um, and, and then that way you're developing your, your group practice. And then, and those are some of the things that we don't learn in medical school and they're very crucial in running a business. And then don't forget the legal aspects um, of partnerships. So your indemnity, your insurance. I know in, in the UK, in Australia, those things are very crucial. Um, if anything happens to your practice, are you covered? Are you indemnified? I think someone earlier was talking about the legalities. You know, it's, it's hard to set up these things, regulations. So tick those boxes, make sure you're not cutting corners because you're running a healthcare business and you're looking after people's lives, providing quality care service. So you need to be um, in line with the country's regulations and laws. If the country says that every year, everyone has to do basic life support, as the practice owner, you need to ensure that all your staff um, are doing that training, give them the opportunities to do that. And then um, in terms of family, in wills and inheritance, you know, you, you, you are running a practice, you've got family, you've got children, talk about that in your partnership. What happens to you if you pass on? Is my family gonna get the profits from my business or what, you know? And, and also on wills and inheritance, there's also what we call last man standing. If you're in a partnership of four, four partners and then they all leave and you're the last man standing, you know, how are you gonna continue to manage that practice on your own? So those are all things that are very crucial that way the lawyers come in when they're reading the contracts, what's your exit plan as a partner in, in that partnership. And um, then I'll quickly talk about the, the advantages I've noticed um, in, in joining partnerships and starting partnership. Um, in a group practice, one of the key advantages is the financial burden of startup is less. 
So if you think about it, if you're wanting to get into a practice that costs maybe a million dollars, as one person, that's going to probably be too much for you. But if you are with four other people, you share the load and your startup is less stressful, right? And also financial burden is less when you're going to be expanding and growing. So if you, if you look at it like from a recruitment uh, point of view, if you're going to be recruiting more doctors, more nurses, you're sharing the burden, you're sharing the resources. So it's not um, too financially burdening on you. And you're working in a team. So you've, it's a collective effort. You've got shared resources, which reduces your expenditures. And because you're also in a team, you've got a safety and, and you know, a safe sounding board. You know, as, as doctors, sometimes we, we face difficult cases, difficult challenges, clinical cases, or we have to make difficult decisions concerning the practice. But if you've got another sounding board, it makes it easier and it's an advantage. Um, in a partnership ways when you're on your own you have that you have to make that decision yourself and sometimes it can be very hard and you've being in a partnership you've got advantage of a great support and network um, and socially as well you can take time off without worrying that who's gonna work when I'm not there so you can share your annual leave if you're sick you know that work is covered if you need to look after your children you know that you are covered because you're in a partnership Whereas a solo practice, you know, if you are sick, you shut down. If you're not, not there to work, there's no one to run the business. Um, the disadvantages, obviously, you're working in a different team with different personalities, different characters, different beliefs. So sometimes that can be challenging, especially coming from a Christian faith and you've got your vision and your blueprint and where you're going and where you want to go and then someone doesn't just see it the way you say it. So that can be challenging sometimes, but you can overcome that by um, you know, just understanding your team and knowing that we're all different. And uh, with that as well, sometimes it can force you to compromise on qualities. You may have a certain quality or style where you deliver your healthcare, but maybe your colleague is not like you, and then it brings the reputation of your practice down. Um, but there are ways to navigate that. Um, it's all about teamwork, always checking on one another, always discussing cases, always discussing, um, you know, training, like I said, you know, upskilling and making sure you're all running in the same direction. Um, other disadvantages, if losses, if a loss happens, it affects everyone. If someone makes a big mistake and it's com complaints and litigation, it affects the reputation of the whole practice. So those are some of the things we need to um, look out for. And you know, these are all challenges of loss of finance, loss of staff, but you can navigate that by making sure that you, you set your priorities from day one, you upskill your staff, you always have a second person in charge. If you've got the main receptionist, make sure you've got another receptionist so that if that receptionist goes, You've got someone to cover for them, right? Um, challenges when trying to make decisions for the practice. I found that was very hard for me, especially when I first joined the group practice. I was the youngest in the group. And sometimes I felt like they wouldn't listen to me when I was trying to raise the point about, you know, about the business. But I learned to, I overcame that by making sure that, um, 
you know, there was an agenda. I, I volunteered to do an agenda because before they were not doing agendas for the meetings. I did an agenda and I made sure that each and every doctor in the meeting would speak up, including me. So it's, and with whatever decision needed to make, it's a majority rule and we move on because that can cause strife in, in group practices. And other challenges um, that I faced was workplace complaints and disputes. Um, and my role in working in the governing body really helped me to manage this and uh, to manage work disputes. And, um, and that's where your indemnity also comes in. If you're indemnified, you are able to provide this support. So some of these things may probably be more relevant in the UK and Australia, but I think even in Africa, those, these values still remain true. And if you stick to those values, you, you've got your vision, you've got your business plan, you've got your accountant, you're always looking at your numbers. What are we doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Are we providing quality care? And then follow your legal um, you know, obligations and the, the legal, legal regulation and guidelines. You know, I think partnerships, um, you know, a way to go in the long run. Um, it's, you know, there are also advantages of solo practices, but I think when you're in a joint venture, you're probably more successful. And, and lastly, you know, um, as healthcare, you know, we're not taught to run business. Always also look for other opportunities outside of healthcare that can help to finance your healthcare business or vice versa, your healthcare business to finance your other projects. And I think I'll leave it at there. Thank you so much.